welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone tonight, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else. And as we are praying for the world, concerned with this outcome, let us all take a moment to reflect. Oh, how distraught were we when the pandemic fell upon us in 2020. Many thought it would pass sooner than later. Some thought, but still think, it was a conspiracy against mankind and Mother Nature. Still others thought it was a judgment from God, a divine sign. If it were a warning from God, did we truly take heed? Has anything changed in the way we treat our brothers and sisters? Or are we worse off than we were before? Did we so misunderstand the lesson that it required one more devastating to open our eyes, enter the stage, the possibility of World War III? Because mankind still act like they cannot see. Yet, God continues to give to mankind chance after chance to repent. The age-old issues of hate, racism, and lack of love for any of God's children is the leading cause for most of humanity's disastrous conditions. I mean, how can individuals caught up in the middle of a war situation, bombs and blasts all around, there are people begging for the mercy and help of the world. And yet, within the throes of war and their need for help, still be hateful and racist to others. I mean, really? Really? Many times, though, we as humans want the protection of the world when we need it. But many people probably wouldn't throw a lifeline to God if it were necessary. For mankind is not seen or maybe not quite understanding the severity of the times and of the lessons. Now, most of us have never experienced a pandemic in our lifetime or world war. But these events mankind has experienced before, though, as of yet, have not learned from. So, humanity repeats the grave. Do we not want to elevate and expand our consciousness and move from the third to the fourth and experience a higher quality of existence? Or is it more important to relegate our lives to this material realm and its impermanent illusions of material gains and pleasures? It would be different if we didn't know what we had to do to change for the betterment of us all. But we know. And God and all the heavenly powers that be know that we know. But until we do right by God, Mother Earth, and all creation in the universe, until we honor and listen to the presence of God within us, our mighty I Am Presence, we will experience the repercussions of disobedience. And y'all know, God will always show us better than he can tell us. Because mankind refuses to listen.
Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved. The mystery of suffering. All over the world people are asking, why is there so much suffering? Sorrow and pain are excellent awakeners, conducive to thought, and when people have had abundant afflictive experiences, they seek the cause, and for a means of future prevention. Why there should be pain at all is a paradox, for undoubtedly omnipotent God could have created man differently, but for wise purposes beyond our present range of knowledge created him with the capacity to suffer. God also gave man free will, and it is by the exercise of this, that man settles his own destiny and makes his happiness or unhappiness. Searching for causes of suffering leads to the inevitable conclusion that the responsibility of it rests with man, and not with God. Although the primitive view of suffering was that it was made by God, and that therefore it should be removed by him without any effort on the part of man. Backward people have always imagined that God is cruel and capricious and delighted in torturing his children. Enlightened men, however, do not subscribe to this theory and hold that God is goodness, mercy and justice with a profound love for his creations. Since men can choose good or evil, why do they often elect the latter? Why do they inflict injuries upon their fellow men when they can confer benefits? The answer is ignorance. As all men are ignorant to some degree, all men suffer. The only antidote for ignorance is knowledge not academic or intellectual attainments for they will never solve the problem, but the understanding and the application of spiritual laws and principles. Tragically, most men are unaware of them. They do not understand their true nature, they have no knowledge of the relation of the soul to the body, of the continuity of life, and that immutable and irrevocable laws govern their thinking and conduct. Humanity's prevailing unawareness of these truths is reflected in the misery of the world. Unquestionably physical suffering is the most common. While everyone admits that good health is one of the greatest of blessings, yet few are they who can boast of all-around good health. Despite the advance of science and the discovery of drugs, hospitals and sanitariums are more crowded than ever. Why? Because people violate the laws of health and hygiene. True, they do it mostly in ignorance, but ignorance does not change or suspend the laws of nature. Many people delude themselves that they are getting by with it because the effects of the violation are often slow and subtle, only in later years to pay the penalty in pain and suffering. Another source of suffering is the flouting of the civil laws. Like hospitals, reports from every section of the country indicate that the jails, prisons and penitentiaries are badly overcrowded. With statistics disclosing that more than one half a million people are incarcerated, one would suppose that men would see the folly of such conduct and come law-abiding. Such however is not the case. Peculiarly, men remain unteachable save through bitter experience, and persist in trying to do what never has been done, outwit the law of cause and effect. The fact that only about one-tenth of the criminals are apprehended leads many people to believe they can get by with it if sufficiently clever. Circumventing earthly laws is only postponement, for the episode does not end when the judge and jury pronounce them not guilty. Eventually all violators are overtaken by the law of retribution which operates with a geometrical rigor penalizing all wrongdoers. 
A prolific source of suffering arises from the violation of the mental laws. Few people have the slightest conception that their thinking has a corresponding effect upon themselves and the external world. Yet it is in his creative capacity that man most closely resembles his creator. Thought is the creative power. Beware how you use it. Harboring thoughts of hate, envy, malice, ill will, jealousy and the rest of their breed is inviting certain disaster. It is the nature of thoughts to become objective and man then finds himself surrounded by his mental creations. Wrong thinking has filled the world with injurious and malevolent productions, and the worst of these is war. Thoughts are highly contagious and quickly infect the minds of the multitude with the epidemic of violence. The masses unfamiliar with the nature and power of thought, supinely allow their minds to be manipulated by a morally corrupt and spiritually bankrupt minority. Governments spend billions of the people's money for propagandizing them to hate and kill one another, much in the same manner as thugs are primed with dope. Yet much less money would be needed to indoctrinate people with peace, because peace is natural, while war is unnatural. Profanation of the law of brotherhood has caused more sorrow and suffering than any other single factor. It should be, but unfortunately it is not even apparent that the individual man is but an infinitesimal part of the whole, and that he is indissolubly linked with the rest of the race. The will, thoughts and actions of other men influence his life, affect his destiny and contribute towards his happiness and unhappiness. We cannot rise above humanity, nor isolate ourselves from them, or escape their ignorance, degradations and other diseases. What we do to one man, we do to all men. So long as one man suffers, we shall all suffer. An Eternal Career, by Frank and Lydia Hammer, 1947. Isis Unveil, Chapter 15. When Cusco was the capital of Peru, it contained a temple of the sun, famed far and near for its magnificence. It was roofed with thick plates of gold, and the walls were covered with the same precious metal, the eave troughs were also of solid gold. In the west wall the architects had contrived an aperture in such a way that when the sunbeams reached it, it focused them inside the building. Stretching like a golden chain from one sparkling point to another, they encircled the walls, illuminating the grim idols, and disclosing certain mystic signs at other times, invisible. It was only by understanding these hieroglyphics, identical with those which may be seen to this day on the tomb of the Incas, that one could learn the secret of the tunnel and its approaches. Among the latter was one in the neighborhood of Cusco, now masked beyond discovery. This leads directly into an immense tunnel which runs from Cusco to Lima, and then, turning southward, extends into Bolivia. At a certain point it is intersected by a royal tomb. Inside the sepulchral chamber are cunningly arranged two doors, or, rather, two enormous slabs which turn upon pivots, and close so tightly as to be only distinguishable from the other portions of the sculptured walls by the secret signs, whose key is in the possession of the faithful custodians. One of these turning slabs covers the southern mouth of the Lehman Tunnel, the other, the northern one of the Bolivian Corridor. The latter, running southward, passes through Trapaca and Cobijo, for Arica is not far away from the little river called Pequina, which is the boundary between Peru and Bolivia. Not far from this spot stand three separate peaks which form a curious triangle, they are included in the chain of the Andes. According to tradition the only practicable entrance to the corridor leading northward is in one of these peaks, but without the secret of its landmarks, a regiment of titans might rend the rocks in vain in the attempt to find it. 
But even were someone to gain an entrance and find his way as far as the turning slab in the wall of the sepulchre, and attempt to blast it out, the superincumbent rocks are so disposed as to bury the tomb, its treasures, and, as the mysterious Peruvian expressed it to us, a thousand warriors in one common ruin. There is no other access to the Eureka chamber but through the door in the mountain near Pequina. Along the entire length of the corridor, from Bolivia to Lima and Cusco, are smaller hiding places filled with treasures of gold and precious stone, the accumulations of many generations of Incas, the aggregate value of which is incalculable. H. P. Blavatsky We have in our possession an accurate plan of the tunnel, the sepulchre, and the doors, given to us at the time by the old Peruvian. If we had ever thought of profiting by the secret, it would have required the cooperation of the Peruvian and Bolivian governments on an extensive scale. To say nothing of physical obstacles, no one individual or small party could undertake such an exploration without encountering the army of smugglers and brigands with which the coast is infested, and which, in fact, includes nearly the whole population. The mere task of purifying the mephitic air of the tunnel, which had not been entered for centuries, would also be a serious one. There, however, the treasure lies, and there the tradition says it will lie, till the last vestige of Spanish rule disappears from the whole of North and South America. The treasures exhumed by Dr. Schliemann at Mycenae, have awakened popular cupidity, and the eyes of adventurous speculators are being turned toward the localities where the wealth of ancient peoples is supposed to be buried, in crypt or cave, or beneath sand or alluvial deposit. Around no other locality, not even Peru hangs so many traditions as around the Gobi Desert. In independent Tartary this howling waste of shifting sand was once, if report speaks correctly, the seat of one of the richest empires the world ever saw. Beneath the surface are said to lie such wealth in gold tools, statuary, arms, utensils, and all that indicates civilizations, luxury and fine arts, as no existing capital of Christendom can show today. The Gobi Sands moves regularly from east to west before terrific gales that blow continually. Occasionally some of the hidden treasures are uncovered, but not a native dare touches them, for the whole district is under the ban of a mighty spell. Death would be the penalty. Body, hideous, but faithful gnomes, guard the hidden treasures of this prehistoric people, awaiting the day when the revolution of cyclic periods shall again cause their story to be known for the instruction of mankind. H. P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 Demand the annihilation of all doubt and fear. Just accept us and accept that we do love you. Accept that we are real. Experiment with our calls. Visualize their fulfillment, and reality must appear for you. Then you can go forward, and by your own conscious command, such as you've given tonight, cause the removal from the earth of things that have tortured you for centuries, and tortured the mass of mankind. You have to have power to do that my dear ones, because the sinister force is heavily energized. But when you call forth our immortal power, it means that whatever amount of power you call forth at any one time, that becomes anchored there for all eternity. That becomes active for you in that capacity. Wherever you move, that is around you. It is a divine gift, indescribable in words. Only as you see its tremendous action, only as you know its cosmic power, 
Only as you experiment with what it can do for you, will you have some glimpse into the heights of our attainment and into the realms of the powerhouse of God. Charge yourselves with our immortal power and with the immortal love of the angels of blue flame. I am charging you tonight to replace the energy you have sent forth, and that is your gift for eternity. Demand the immortal power of our love. It can fill you with its strength and energy. It can expand through you its various powers of action, because it contains powers, as well as power. On the instant, if you get the feeling of this, you would be able to do many things that you have never done before in the way of transcendent activities, because love, being the great treasure house of the mighty gifts of life from the mighty I am presence in the great central sun, that love can release to you at any moment the capacity and the way and means of doing things that produce greater perfection for you. But they would be perfectly natural because they would be within your own life. Beloved Archangel Michael, Resistance, my dear ones, due to human discord in the physical octave, can be crashed easily. That which you must call forth, the light of your own life to pass through in the great natural law of the unfoldment of your life, that is another thing. The light just penetrates that and takes you through happily. This word crash that you are using tonight, has a certain power of its own. Everyone receives a certain feeling when you use that word, because it does carry within it a certain action with which the human, or the outer intellectual consciousness, is quite familiar. You know, when one is very determined, you use the expression, well, he crashed the gates. That means you broke through the barriers. When a thing crashes it breaks into pieces, doesn't it? Well then, it's been demolished so far as its action is concerned. You have shut off its action. Please hold this picture through these decrees tonight, that that power may go forth into certain channels and act in its most needed way. Aren't you feeling stronger already? Applause. Precious ones, while you are standing, just a moment, feel yourselves like a cup receiving this outpouring, to give you ten times more than you have sent forth tonight. Silence. Isn't it amazing what the atomic structure will do? Isn't it amazing what changes can take place in a few moments? You've had the experience tonight. One moment you are in those intense decrees, the next moment you are at peace. Isn't that wonderful? The outer world can't do that for you. Won't you be seated please? Thank you. Beloved Archangel Michael, 